There are no people in the future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Everybody, welcome, welcome. It is Friday, December 10th, 2021. Welcome to Raging Chickens Out the Coop Podcast. This is Kev Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. Each week I talk to, you know, the good, the one, the only. Wait, what is the tag this week, Sean? Wait, the Sean it? Kitchen. There is no tag. There is none. Okay, you had one on there for, for like a half a day or something like that. It's just Sean Kitchen. So we talked to Sean Kitchen <laughs> about the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. You can help support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. And you can help out the show by heading over to our YouTube channel, too, if you're not there already. You know, smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. On today's show... Yep, President Biden presided over the launch of his virtual summit for democracy on Thursday. Biden warned that uh, the more than 100, or I'm sorry, the more than 80 leaders, something like 110 nations that were invited, something, but of democratic nations that the threat to democratic forms of government is pressing and that, quote, the date to date we're seeing all of the data that we're seeing is largely pointing in the wrong direction. Yeah, like the biggest no duh, like <laughs> get out there. The statements may have fallen a little hollow as the U.S. is one of the nations that has been newly placed in the list of nations that are considered democratic backsliding nations. And while the White House put out a list of actions that it says it's taken to protect the vote, one lawyer from the Texas Civil Rights Project told The Guardian, quote, you have to be kidding me. The actions are nothing but minor tweaks on the edge of the problem. I'll say. And Angela Merkel the 16-year uh, reign of her, well, the Angela Merkel's 16-year reign as German Chancellor came to an end this week as a new Chancellor from the Social Democratic Party, Olaf Scholz, took the oath of office. He will lead a coalition between the SPD, the Greens, and the Libertarian-inclined Free Democrats. Scholz will be the first Chancellor to lead a cabinet to include as many women as men, and the coalition also has an ambitious plans to fight climate change by phasing out coal and prioritizing renewable energy. And this little ditty from The Independent. This is just kind of a fun little one. Patagonia, right? Uh, This is a quote. I'll just quote the whole thing. Patagonia CEO Ryan Gellard has called out big businesses for the alleged duplicity on the climate crisis, as well as their opposition to the Biden administration's ambitious Build Build Back Better Act. The corporate, quote, the corporate sector has historically been full of shit, <laughs> and the sector is still full of shit, Mr. Gellert <laughs> told Fast Company on Monday. He's the head of Patagonia. Gotta like that, Gellert. And workers in Buffalo, New York, became the first to get a union at Starbucks. Starbucks has now got some union employees up there in Buffalo, and now the, it will be, everything will be turning toward uh, the negotiation of their first contract. And UAW workers win the right to directly elect their leadership. Bring new measures of rank-and-file democracy to a powerful union. And Canada bans conversion therapy while France moves to make it a criminal offense. Now, those are all pointing in the right direction. Look closer to home. 
All I want for Christmas, I don't know about you, but all I want for Christmas are new legislative maps. <laughs> maps, maps, and more maps. <laughs> the Pennsylvania House Republicans released their congressional map drawn by former Lehigh County Republican Commissioner Amanda Holt. It's a solid GOP gerrymander. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Then-Senate Democrat Sharif Street, this is just, whatever, we're going to talk about this today, uh, released a compromise map. That is a 611 GOP gerrymander. Why? He's a Democrat, right? Remember that? Remember that little little fact there? Why? Well, that map places a congressional district in his backyard and would basically set up a potential primary between Congressman Brendan Boyle and Sharif Street. State and national Democrats are pissed, to say the least, calling the map a non-starter. I mean, what Sharif Street's like sitting there. Okay, kids. Okay, we're here in the clubhouse now. We're going to drop some great maps. No one will know, right? It's like the TikTok meme, right? <laughs> no one's, nobody will know. Nobody will know. <laughs> And lastly, the Legislative Reapportionment Committee, which is responsible for drawing the State House and Senate maps, is getting ready to release their maps and vote for them in the coming weeks. There's a deadline coming up on that, too. And the AP reported this week that Pennsylvania's right-wing billionaire, Jeffrey Yes, is looking to spend $20 million on his endorsed candidate for governor, and all the usual suspects from the Commonwealth Foundation and the Commonwealth Partners are at the center of it. Again, surprise, surprise. And hospitals in rural PA are facing, are, are sounding, I'm sorry, this, uh, the, the alarm in the face of rapidly increasing COVID cases. According to Penn Live, quote, Geisinger hospitals throughout the north central Pennsylvania are operating at well over 100% of their capacities with unvaccinated COVID-19 patients responsible for most of the strain, unquote. And the Philadelphia Inquirer also reports that COVID hospitalizations are at the highest rate since January. That's the peak of the last COVID surge. Not looking good, folks. Get those damn vaccines if you're not already. So put your crystals away and go get your freaking vaccine. And today's last call, well, you've got a cool thing that happened today in space news. Yep, scientists just discovered a planet that is 11 times as massive as Jupiter, orbiting a dual star system in the B Centauri system. The discovery is actually changing scientists' understanding of the conditions under which planets can form. It's really cool stuff going on there. That went down a little bit of a rabbit hole on that this week. Um, also, been kind of continue to been watching... Uh, 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 let's see, what was that? See the uh, uh, um, the Wheel of Time, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, I also started watching this other show called Carnival Row, which is pretty cool. We'll see, we'll check in to see what uh, Sean's doing to pass his time. Um, I mean, other than eating wings uh, in Midtown, but uh, <laughs> you got that. Well, if you're looking for more PA Progressive Talk, you tune in to the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get your streams. Best bet is actually just head on over to ricksmithshow.com for all the latest across all his platforms. Rick has been kind of like exploding across the kind of airwaves. He's got picked up uh, KPFK in Los Angeles, WBAI in New York. Um, just started broadcasting, was a week and a half ago now in Chicago, Minnesota. Freaking amazing. Head on over there, ricksmithshow.com for all the info. And if you haven't already, got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast. You can find it on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. 
And attention all you gamers out there. Look, you got the holidays. We're in the thick of it right now. If you're looking for gifts for your uh, for your gamer kids or for yourself for that matter, you got to check out the Game In. That's the Game In with two N's. Game In is a Quaker Town-based black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show, and they've got everything from Retro N64s to the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, and loads of collectibles, action figures, and Funko Pops. And kids get discounts with every A on the report card. Check them out on their Facebook page. Follow them on Twitter at, at TheGameIn. If you've got a question for a game, looking for something hard to find, shoot them an email at TheGameInPA at gmail.com. And a special shout-out goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. You can check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at, at SongAdayMan with two N's. That's at SongAdayMan on Twitter. We've got uh, a couple great shows coming up. Um, on Out to Coop Live that will take us up to the uh, Christmas New Year's break. Yes, next Monday, this coming Monday, this is uh, Monday the, the 13th at 7 p.m., I'll have Dina Lagerman on the show. Uh, Dina uh, had, had wrote this amazing freaking article in Medium. Uh, it's called Central Bucks is Not Okay. And we're going to be talking about, she was a former uh, candidate for school board, um, Central Bucks School District. Um, she's a teacher. She's a writer. And uh, she was uh, basically one of the one of those folks that was attacked by Paul Martino's money and his involvement in that school board um, um, fight. So we're going to talk to her about it. Um, she's a phenomenal writer. That was a, a, just an amazing article that she uh, that she put out. She's going to give the skinny on actually what is happening in Central Bucks. They just had a school board meeting this past Monday, and it was freaking overflowing. Um, so we're going to get her take on that too as well. And then on Monday, uh, twelve twenty, I think you know this might not end up being a live show. It just at the last minute, I had, we had it scheduled, and my uh, my daughter's got a band concert at the same time. We might do a pre-record, or I might kind of have like a live show, and then re-release the uh, um, this at 7 p.m. on Monday the 20th. So, anyways, but so regardless, Monday 12:20 uh, at 7 p.m. Hopefully live. If not, it'll be a rebroadcast, or I'll be uh, we'll have a pre-record. I'm going to be talking to Christopher Rodkey. Uh, Christopher Rodkey is a UCC pastor in Dallastown, PA, and he's a newly declared candidate for the 93rd Legislative District in Pennsylvania. We're going to talk about role of religion in politics. I mean, I uh, wanted to have Chris on for, for quite some time and um, to talk about this kind of, you know, um, exactly this, religion and politics. And we'll also get his take and a little hear a little about um, his campaign in the 93rd Legislative District in PA. And it's perfect to have him on right before right before Christmas. How about that? Look, if you want a progressive future, we need a progressive media, folks. Um, support Pull No Punch's homegrown progressive media today. Become a patron of Raging Chicken for as little as five bucks a month. Special shout out goes to Chuck, our newest patron who joined last week. Simply go to patreon.com slash rcpress and choose your membership level. We're here for the fight, but we need you. Become a patron for the price of a good beer once a month. Help keep the media in the movement, the movement, the media. Become a patron for as little as five bucks a month by heading over to patreon.com slash rcpress today. Hey, man, Sean, how goes it, man? Going pretty good. How are you? You know, I'm, uh, I just finished my, uh, my last week of teaching for the semester, so I'm in a freaking jolly mood, let me tell you. Are you? I am indeed. I am indeed. I may have a lot of grading ahead of me and stuff like this, but uh, it was, I'll tell you, it was a really tough semester. Um, we've had, I've had more students out in the past, like say three weeks out with COVID or kind of uh, other, like f f actually there's a lot of flu going around too as well. 
but I'm getting lots of COVID notifications and we're seeing the spikes in cases all over the place. So, uh, and you know, it's, the, the, the pandemic has had a weight, I think on everybody, um, um, beyond the normal stresses of any semester. So, uh, it feels like a bit of a success to kind of come to conclusion at the end of classes. Um, and my students, I mean, they were, I'm telling you, I had some of the best work that I've seen in, you know, in many semesters. So really amazing stuff doing. And I give, you know, my, my applause and thanks goes out to all my students and all the students at Kutztown and other, you know, and, and across the state really, um, who just, you know, who plugged through and did some amazing stuff despite the challenges. So, um, that feels like a victory in my mind. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm not, it I'm, sounds nice. You sound yeah. happy. I told you I'm not lying. I'm actually in a good mood. <laughs> once in a while, once in uh. a while, you know, what the hell, you know, I mean, look, every once in a while, you know, as democracy falls, you've got to have some moments of, uh, you know, of, of happiness. That's all. I it feels, it's just been feeling weird lately, you know, with like our fourth or fifth COVID surge or whatever one we're on now. Yeah. Like, it's just, you know, we're at like 10,000 cases a day now in Pennsylvania again, like the highest since last year. And it's just like, oh, we're just going on with life as normal. Yeah. Well, well I mean, by, and by, and by, and by we, you mean you, right? I mean, that's. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing, like going out and going to the, uh, like going to the market and shit like that. And people are just like, no one's wearing masks. Yep. Uh, you know, like, the farm show is going to be in like four weeks. You know, I, <laughs> we're having the farm show this year, people. Like yep. <clears throat> 20,000 cases a day. Like, I want to go to it badly, but that just might be a little too much. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, but know, it's just. And the, the it, thing is, you think about this too, is that the GOP is going to have to, it has to submit its legislative maps before the, the farm show, before they can look at what the impact and the death rate is going to be in their <laughs> district. So that's going to be, a, you know, have an impact. <laughs> I say that yeah. half jokingly, but it's, uh, it's, yeah. I mean, like, it's just, it's just amazing how people are just like putting this whole entire pandemic behind them. We're like, what pandemic at this point? Well, you know, what's interesting. It's like, you know, cause I, I, I because I have to, you know, this commute to Kutztown and, you know, it, it's, it's weird from all the different spaces that I go through. It, it, it just, it's remarkably different. So when I'm on campus, right, I mean, as, you know, whatever, you have the freaking lackluster, you know, contact tracing and voluntary vaccination, all the bullshit that we've talked about on the show with uh, with uh, our administration there. Um, but, you know, everyone mask. And for the most part, you know, I've had to haven't had any issues with, you know, other than the first couple of weeks. Hasn't been any issues with, you know, people not wearing masks and vast majority of people wearing masks and kind of following that, which is great. Um, when I um, when I have to go to the grocery store here in Percocy, I walk in there and I'm the freak. I'm the only one with the mask. That's because there's no employees with masks, maybe one or two employees with masks, nobody there with masks. But then sometimes I stop at Wegmans on my way home, the one in Allentown. Right. Uh, to do grocery shopping as I'm kind of on my way home from work. And in there, you probably got about 75 percent of the people do have masks on. Right. So it's just like, I mean, it's all over the freaking map. Right. I mean, it's pretty nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I can tell you at the bar, people are not wearing masks between their sips of beer. So, you know, that's I, I would suspect that would be true. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. 
I stopped in Free Will for the first time in a while, um, and um, they, they've been producing some stouts lately. I should talk about this in the in the in the uh, um, today's last call. But um, so uh, um, I went out with uh, with my wife and my my brother and sister in law, and uh, we went. We kind of you know uh, grabbed food at the food truck and um, and stopped in for a beer. And it was kind of earlier and stuff like that. And you know, I got to say, there was there there were quite a few people that had masks when they were coming in or when they were walking through. But it's like you know, once you're sitting down and having a beer, or drinking and things like this, nobody's got a mask on, obviously. So that's that's where it's at. Anyways, uh, today in the fall of democracy. So I, I mean, I just had this. I had to lead with this in part because um, I. I have I have a lot of trouble, uh, you know. Okay, let me just say this, right? You know, so Biden, has, you know, he promised to do this, right? At the beginning of his, uh, at the during his inauguration, shortly after, basically saying, "Look, we're going to have a summit of democracy because you're looking at, you know, the the democracies are dwindling or backsliding all over the world right now, right? You have authoritarians who are kind of gaining steam, right? Um, and um, and some countries that have moved decidedly in authoritarian directions." And of course, right here in the good old U.S. of A., we have seen, you know, the emergence of, you know, you know, these right wing groups and we attacks on democracy. And we've seen the the limits of uh, what kind of like the way things have been done, actually, um, how effective that can be to um, bolster democracies. And so we want to have the summit for democracies and invited kind of like whatever it was 110 countries or something that were invited that are kind of, you know, quote unquote democracies um, to talk about how to defend this against kind of rising authoritarianism. And while I think, you know, I'm trying not to be like too cynical about this whole thing, right, or too kind of like PR about the whole thing, but it's like listening to some of the speeches from, uh, you know, from from Biden, from uh, from Kamala Harris, from um, Blinken, you know, basically talking about how we need to uphold democracy and all this kind of stuff. When you're like, you've got a, a Democratic Party in this country who is basically presiding over an undemocratic Senate and is unwilling to get rid of undemocratic measures to pass things that is widely popular. That seems to be a problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> And as much as like, you know, and I get the fact, you know, I mean, they, like they're refusing to take out the John uh, Lewis Voting Rights Act, like expanding it, voting rights and exactly. slowly voting rights. Right. Exactly. And they're like, well, you know, maybe and they voted on this thing to basically pass the. Uh, I mean, they just kneecapped one of Biden's own secretary picks. Yeah. Uh, like and I mean, like and you saw she was like, a commie. Yes. Not to I mention mean, I, had worked under Republicans before. <laughs> Yeah, that brown skinned commie. We can't be trusting them. Like, I, no, and and it just it's amazing that like the fucking party went along with that. <laughs> like it was it was appalling watching that video clip. Yep. Like of um of like her getting questioned with that, and you heard someone go like gasp in the background, and then just like you have like the same five Democrats, you know, cinema. And Warner, uh, Coons, and who else come out and sink it and just like, yeah. Why know, do they do the, it? They did it for the banking industry. Yeah, I mean, there's no more like, yeah. You know, that's what I mean. You know what? 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 You know, I heard them like talk kleptocracy. Well, yeah, and I hear them talking. It only about, works. It only works when we need it to. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, it's like. Uh, 
it's been it's been it's been so frustrating and even in the way that they've talked about this summit right they're saying like okay we need to protect voting rights and then we look at okay well then do it and they're like well we we can't get rid of the filibuster because then then that would allow democracy to function right so we we have to have an undemocratic measure to check the democracy because we don't we trust have to let the, the undemocratic supreme court Right, and we have dictate. to look exactly, and we have to look out for and we have our to big let donors, the undemocratic parliamentarian. Right, tell us I, what we can and can't, can't do. It's just like it's a, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Like they, they, they really just like they balked on a lot of the things, and it's just like, you know, we were talking about this before the hand. I mean, the 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 fact that like the mainstream Democratic Party didn't pick up on this populist messaging over the past ten years when it was theirs, right? It was. I mean, really, it was ripe for the picking. Yep. In the wake of Occupy, uh, the financial recession, and like Democrats didn't want to touch it. They just wanted to keep on messaging that like they're going to lower prescription drug prices, and you know the other side wants to raise uh, Medicaid and stuff like that and prescription. <laughs> like, but no, I mean, like, it's, <laughs> I'm being cynical, but like that's what the Democrats do instead of like putting out big bold like ideas yep. and stuff like that and campaigning. I mean, like, you got, like, yeah, I mean, fuck, I, I, first, uh, let me just say this, like, this whole next section by saying, fuck David Brooks, (laughs) like, you know, like, because I think he has, him and people like Brooks and Friedman have a lot to where, a lot to do with where we're at right now, and they're just, like, crying crocodile tears uh, from their, like, mansions and stuff like that, like, but like you know, there's an interview with David Brooks just saying like he can't believe this is like an illiberal party. The Republican Party is not a liberal, democracy-loving party. Like he went to this like convention and they're saying, coming up with ways of using the state power into attacking their their the people who don't vote like that. Like and just like that's not small government conservatism. Like yes, it is. Like that's what it has been. It's what yeah they're just. They're just saying it now. Like they're just op- like more naked about it. Yeah, the only thing that has changed for those people is the fact that one, like you're saying, they're they're open about it. And number two, right, they're they're not being polite. Right? That they're a little too crass for them. They don't like their tone. That's it. It has nothing to do with the policy with civility. Yeah. They don't have the cloak of civility. That's it. Yeah. It's not like you're country club Republicans. You you get be like nice That's, about it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and Kirsten says on the chat today, she's like, you know, yeah, like and Toomey, our good old Toomey, worked really hard for months to sink the uh, kind of Omarova um, uh, nomination. He's at the forefront of that, and you say, yeah, exactly. This, this is a perfect example of this, right? Where you see them just say, okay, we're going to do whatever we want. We're going to go ahead and we're going to kind of like take things out. We're not going to allow uh, any Democrat to do uh, what will we expect Republicans to do. It's just it's just freaking crazy. So, I mean, so anyways, I mean, like the other part of that, you know, what's got to be part of the conversation, it, you know, is that part of what it means to be in a Democratic like like country. Right. Or support democracy it means that you also have to actually have policies and programs that are going to speak to the needs of the vast majority of people. Right. I mean, the fact that we've had this upward redistribution of wealth to like the top, the top, like 0.1%, 
like even during the pandemic and after the the great recession and then we we see we we pretend that that's democracy right you can't pass basic freaking like things to give people medical care right you can't wipe out student debt like (laughs) yeah and even and even when you can do it you don't do it and even though you see mass polling shows that like even like you want to bipartisanship well guess what pass the build back better plan why because you poll people democrats and republicans support it right democrats in higher numbers but you got like 40 45 percent of republicans support what's in that bill I mean, what's actually been like weird about this stuff, like like watching what's been going on recently, especially like during the pandemic and thinking about, you know, going like into those deep, dark corners of like the world, you know, like this is all what Chris Hedges. I call that my basement. <laughs> <laughs> but like, this is all what like Chris Hedges wrote about. Yeah. In the 2000s, like post Iraq war, like, you know, 2007 and stuff like that, like just like this is where we're going yeah yep yep and it's gonna take it's gonna take a long you know on monday's show i talked a lot about uh rebecca traster's article um that you know she's talking about in the face of uh roe v wade Uh, another perfect example of anti-democratic institution like the supreme court kind of stripping the rights of the majority but i digress um and she said you know talks about this in very sober terms about it's going to take a long time to kind of write this ship. I mean, this is, we got to be in like prepared for a long-term protracted struggle. It's not going to be just about one election. It's going to be about building power long-term. So here we are, man. You know, people try, you know, people like Chris Hedges tried to warn us. Right. And a lot of his stuff was, you know, dismissed as being too dark and too cynical and too, you know, um, you couldn't really play it. You couldn't like basically translate it into elevator music. So therefore it wasn't something that was popular in American culture and we couldn't listen to it. You can only listen to nice things. Um, yeah, but, and so we don't listen to them. And then what happens? Um, here we are. Right. And this this idea that we have some hopes of bipartisanship um, when you've got a party that is willing to pull, you know, use every lever of power to its own advantage in order to secure more power for itself. You, you, you know, holding out, you know, holding open the gate for the unicorn to come home is not going to happen. Right? Or, you know, like uh, collaborating with them and drawing congressional maps with them <laughs> in order for your own self-interested political aspirations and ambitions. Oh, we were going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, this is like the type of like, you know, like watching like that type of stuff happening with Street Street and and all like looking at these parallels, I mean, like these are the type of people who will cut deals, like like a Vichy puppet government. Like you know what I mean? Like absolutely, to save their own asses. Like I mean, like these people will collaborate with fascists, and it's just like we like in order to a save themselves, or also be like think that there's still like this respect of the institution that's left. I mean, we're seeing that with the Democratic Party. I mean, how can you take, yeah, take this shit seriously when you have Democrats drawing Republican-friendly gerrymandered maps for Republicans? Totally. <laughs> no, totally. Um, what is that guy? What's that guy's name? I'm forgetting his name. Um, Kill Switch. Who wrote that book? Uh, Jettleson. Adam Jettleson. Right. Uh, Adam Jettleson um, was uh, I, I was listening to him. He was on some podcast the other day and he was talking about the, um, 
you know, this, this democracy stuff, right? And basically saying, like, look, the Senate is an anti-democratic institution, right? And this is the, the, the way it works. The filibuster is an anti-democratic thing. And, and then I was on Chris Hayes, actually. And Chris Hayes was, like, saying, well, yeah, well, you know, they keep on talking about Senate tradition. He's like, you know what Senate tradition is? Is like somebody gets pissed off enough at somebody else, so they change the rules because they're sick and tired of somebody doing it, and then the next day they start cloaking it in this kind of realms of tradition. There's no tradition. <laughs> These things are not traditions. This is what they say to make themselves feel good as if they have a higher purpose when they don't. And that's exactly right. I mean, this is exactly right. So you're upholding. What's the tradition exactly that we're upholding here? You're listening to the, the parliamentarian. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, I know the parliamentarian, like the parliamentarian is like, you know, by Senate rules has to be a demigod. Right. So it's, you know, it's important that we worship whatever they say um, for risking kind of eternal damnation. But it doesn't mean that it's set in stone is my point. <laughs> yeah, we, we have to sacrifice a goat. And then like, <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Gorilla theater. <laughs> goat up. It's like, what are you doing? So you're bringing in this sacrifice <laughs> for the ah, parliamentarian. Like, <laughs> nah. That would be awesome. That'd be awesome. I'm sorry. I was watching like, uh, like Roman history stuff over the past couple weeks. And just like, yeah, let's just like sacrifice a goat or something. And just like, I don't know, disembowel it or like, and oh, this is what it says. This is what the this is what the parliamentarian rules by the like, you know, the inners hanging off like our hands. That would be awesome. That Which would is like awesome. what? <laughs> and but just just so we're clear, I'm not advocating that we actually sacrifice an actual goat. That <laughs> it's like <laughs> we're talking theater here, folks. Oh no, God. I mean like this is like what. <laughs> I mean, this is like this the traps that like the Democrat. I mean, not even that they fell into. This is what they like. Just no. This is the, this is this, who they are. This is who they are. They're allowed. They they are enabling this behavior, so they don't have to do things that they promised. Right. I mean, they want. I mean, this is like this is what happens when you do politics by PR, right? When you basically want to use the words, right? You want to use the words and the language to kind of make people to show people that you are the party of the people, whatever it means that you are behind people, but you know, it's your actions, not your words. And when you, when the gap between what you say and what you do grows so wide, right? You, you, you basically, you're basically destroying yourself, right? We see this over and over and over again. And that's it. You know, you can say as much as you want that you're the party of workers, that you're the party of women, you're the party. This is what Rebecca Traster was talking about. It's like, well, okay, great. You can say all the right things when it comes to defending Roe, but when it came to actually kind of defending the Supreme Court, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when it comes to getting rid of the filibuster and passing legislation that would have codified Roe into law, what happened? When you had super majorities, what happened? You didn't do it because you were afraid it was going to be too divisive. For who? The majority of women in the country? I don't think so. <laughs> The majority of people who call themselves Democrats, I don't think so. So divisive for who? That's I mean, it's like that's the kind of nonsense that you you, you can talk a good game only so far. You actually then have actually got to play the game. Sorry, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it'd be great if we could kind of do everything behind from behind a computer terminal or kind of filter it through kind of multiple lenses of PR firms. But you know, ultimately, you got to do the shit. 
is what it comes down to. And it's like, that's the problem we're facing right now. It's a crisis of democracy. Damn straight there is. But it's not just the Trumpers, <laughs> right? It's the institution of the, the institutionalists and the Democratic Party who refuse to get behind majority rule. Like there was, I can't forget, I'm forgetting her name right now. She's a... Um, She's a, she's a representative who's been behind kind of voting rights stuff for, for a long time. She's led the charge in this stuff. And she was on, again, Chris Hayes last kind of Why am I citing Chris Hayes so much this week? But she's on Chris Hayes last night and basically say, and she lays out this stuff about why, how it's so important, how it's so important. And Chris Hayes is kind of like, I hear you, what you're saying, I agree with you. But the Democrats seems refuse, refusing to pull the trigger on the Senate. So... Are they going to do it? And she's like, well, <laughs> you know, she didn't want to sell out her Senate colleagues, but shit, there it is. Yeah. And that's where it's just like you need to start getting the media that, you know, isn't ran by former Bush lackeys, <clears throat> which is what MSNBC is pretty much becoming right now. Like the stopping ground for uh, the never Trumpers and the former Bush like flackies. And it's just like no one's, you know, confronting them. Like you can't get Mendy Hassan within ten feet of these people because <laughs> they're all. They, I know they run from him, man. <laughs> no, I mean because he, he asks the questions and stuff like that. Like it's, you know, we. It's just like yeah. And what's ironic too, as well, if you listen to you listen to his show, right? When he asks people, when he gets people on the show, you know, look, some of them do come back several times, but um, most of them, you know, they'll come on for an appearance and they don't like a hard question. Um, and so they go, wait, what the remarkable thing is, right, is that if you watch like the news media in other countries, right, the kind of questions that he asks <coughs> these politicians are like the standard questions. Right? I know, the, and like the, the questions the media is supposed to ask. Like, I mean, these are questions that like many asks that are like what actual journalists do, like the, the press journalists in the newsroom asks. Like there's all these follow ups and stuff like that. And just like, and then, okay, and now what? Like it's, you know, but yep. <clears throat> yep. So there we have it. Um, in other democratic news around the world, uh, we're going to get a social democratic party, uh, coalition in Germany, um, after, uh, Angela Merkel's, uh, 16 year reign as chancellor. Um, and that's significant for Europe in part because, uh, you know, Europe, I mean, Germany is the largest economy in Europe and, um, they're really the kind of, you know, the, the, the tip of the spear, if you will, um, in, in the EU, um, and to have actually a social democratic party in coalition with the greens and yes, the kind of more libertarian leaning, uh, free Democrats is going to be significant, especially since the pledge is what the head of, uh, what they campaigned on is, uh, you know, basically getting rid of coal and, uh, um, doubling down on renewable energy. That's pretty cool. Um, and you so, know, go ahead. And, and the fact I, that you have a majority or or an equal number of women and men on the uh, in uh, on the cabinet for the first time ever in German history is also good. Oh, no, that's awesome! I got I got a little bit of democracy news on my own. Oh, part. great, great. Um, so you know, like those uh, those YouTube videos, like uh, those masterclass videos. Yeah. Like, and they have, they give out about like a people who uh, they give you lessons on how to do things. Mm -hmm. So you want to know who got their own masterclass? Hillary Clinton and how to lose oh Trump. <laughs> is this a joke or is this serious? This is serious. She got a master class. Uh, and so Sarah Jones, uh, who was on Rick Smith's show a bunch of times when she was doing the religious stuff, yeah. uh, put out a New York mag article uh, saying that um, Hillary Clinton released a master class on losing to Trump. 
<laughs> you want to talk about getting all the uh, blue wave Twitter and <laughs> hitting the beehive. Oh yeah. But you know what? I mean, we, but the, the, this is part of the thing when we like, get this, to- like, like, no, like this is the, this is like the branding liberalism. Right. And it's, and it's like, the it's problem- more about affect and like we got to, I mean, like, seriously, I don't care who the politician is. It's like, they're a freaking politician. And, you know, we got to get out of this, like, you know, hero worship nonsense, right? Where, where we, we expect, you know, and again, there's that, that cliche, right? You know, the, you know, the Republicans, like, you know, what is it? Like, want to kind of follow their leader and the, you know, Democrats want to fall in love or something like this. I can't remember how that goes, but I never can remember how that goes. But it's like, you know this this personality politics and this kind of freaking celebrity culture that we're in it's like it's just so damaging i mean it's like it's like it's like to be able to have to be able to kind of look and say like i can respect everything i can respect so much about what like hillary clinton achieved in her life and all this other kinds of stuff right i voted for hillary clinton right you know i was like i voted for hillary clinton when she was running against barack obama Right. And you know why? And I had this argument with my family. I said, well, because Barack Obama has got he's got all the rhetoric that you want. I said, but Hillary Clinton is a she's a she's a pit fighter. And at that point, we needed a pit fighter. Right. By the time that she ran later on, she wasn't a pit fighter anymore. I mean, it was like, you know, she was different. But that was that was kind of my point. Anyway, that's so off track. But, you know, to sit there to, to watch, you know, Somebody say something negative about Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton, then everybody like jumps on it. And then we're all in these camps again. I said, are you freaking kidding me? It's all it is. is like celebrity worship all over again. I don't care if it's Barack Obama. I don't care if it's Bernie Sanders. I don't care who the hell you were talking about. It's like, if we want to actually have achieve power in here, we got to get past that. This is just freaking nonsense like, celebrity politics. I also don't get the celebrity worship of Clinton. I mean, especially since like, <laughs> I mean, with what's going on in the world right now, and like, like, like it's just like, and Bill Clinton signed freaking NAFTA, right? Kind of launched globalization, right? I mean, like, like the, the, the freaking crime bill. I mean, like, I mean, if we cannot, if we cannot rectify, look, and here's the thing, and I, I had, I've had this discussion. I had no intention of talking about this today, but I had this discussion with some people like not too long ago, which I was just like, look. You want to to be able to kind of include, say, diversity thinking and stuff in schools. Me personally, I am one hundred percent for that. I think we should be teaching critical race theory in schools, right? You know, even though nobody's doing that, I, I, we should be doing that. We should be looking honestly at our history, at our background, systemic racism, sexism, white supremacy, right across the board. Like, I'm all for that kind of like open education, right? That's what I think we should be doing, right? So, but if we're going to say, look, we need to be kind of looking at all this stuff, the unvarnished truth, even when it's uncomfortable. And then we turn when we into our politics, when we're kind of looking at our political candidates and that we're suddenly unable to transfer those same kind of intellectual skills that we can with the American history to our political candidates or our political parties. By criticizing a look at an unvarnished look at the deep failings in the Democratic Party or the problems with particular candidates is not about like like blasphemy. <laughs> It's about wanting to achieve and fight for freaking democracy. Yeah, that's. I mean, seriously, it just it's a it it, it it's it's gut wrenching to me. And I can't tell you how frustrating it is to talk to other people who I know are, are progressive, right? And I'm like, I'll mention something about a candidate. Not even I'm not saying I support that candidate, 
right? But I'm just like talking about the, this one policy or something like this, and then it goes into this like like immediate reaction of like, oh, or you know, I'm in this camp, or like I'm like whatever. <laughs> That's a conversation you're interested in doing. I'm like I like. There's a reason why I could care less what happens on freaking to celebrities in the world. I really, I've never followed that. It's never been interesting to me, right? Yes, I need the references once in a while so I, I could actually participate in conversations with people, right? You know, but, but I mean, seriously, it's the same thing. In politics, you know, we got to be able to kind of focus on our organizing and our building our movements, not a kind of like, who's going to be our next hero worship. I mean, that's so dangerous to me. And I don't why, don't why that's such a problem. Anyways, and diatribe. I didn't mean to get go down that road. <clears throat> but I, I've been thinking a lot about that for for quite some time. So, anyways, um, any, a couple quick things before we kind of um, before we kind of take a quick break. Uh, huge kudos go out to the folks at Starbucks up in Buffalo um, who uh, basically got their first union. <laughs> um, and I hope you, uh, the first union ever in a Starbucks, right? In good old Buffalo, New York, which is amazing for the company. Totally. My neck of the woods. That's right. Rick and Buffalo. Well, I'm not from Buffalo. My parents, my, my, my mom grew up in Niagara Falls, got family out in Buffalo area. But so it's kind of like, you know, it's a, it's part of the tradition, but the upstate New York. Uh, so good for you. Good on you. Um, and I, I bear, I guarantee that we're going to start finding out about that election down the road. Um, and there's already been some writing about this, but it's been really cool. Um, you had the, you know, of course, you had the rise of the the DSA and kind of the socialist candidate for mayor in Indian India Walton there. Uh, Walton, Walton was her name. What? Yeah, Walton India Walton. It is Walton. Okay, for some reason it, that rang wrong when I said it. Um, and I bet you that is part of the dynamic of what's happening kind of on the ground in Buffalo um, that contributed to this um, to this union win. So that's that's huge. Um, the other thing I definitely want to kind of mention is that uh, UAW workers uh, won in a pretty significant um, election or referendum about basically being able to elect, directly elect their leadership. Um, and this this is a big deal. Um, it, it may not seem to resonate with a lot of folks who are outside, say, the uh, labor movement. But the deal is this, right? Some, what some unions do, what the UAW did is they had their kind of like their delegates that would elect their leadership, right? I mean, my union does this. We don't directly elect our president, right? We we elect our delegates and our delegates go and they decide, right? And that's they are the ones that vote, not the other thing. And, you know, I think direct elections would be better, but that's, that's me. Um, and this was the case where the UAW had been, uh, you know, I mean, it's a powerful union. And um, it has uh, it has a growing and more diverse constituencies across the across the United States. They're one of those, you know, the, the growing unions in especially on the West Coast in uh, higher education, for example. Um, and you see again other sectors. Um, there's been was a push, especially after a series of corruption um, scandals that plagued the UAW and, uh, um, and some rank and file movements within the union to say we want more democracy. We want to get away from this business union model and we want to have more rank and file empowered um, membership decisions. Um, and they won. They won that vote. I think it was like 60, 60 plus percent. I don't know if it was all the way to 65 percent, but they voted to be able to directly elect their leader. So congratulations to those folks in the UAW who worked hard for years on this campaign. Um, and now we're going to be able to kind of hopefully um, kind of change the way that that union operates um, and make it a more militant and responsive union. So here's to it. Bring it back to its roots, really. 
So there's pretty cool. Um, and last thing I want to mention before we go to break is that, uh, you know, major victories in the, um, the uh, banning of conversion therapy. Um, for those folks, you know, you know, obviously conversion therapy is when you kind of take someone who's gay, especially kids, and then you say that there's something wrong with them. So you send them to this conversion therapy to kind of convince them that they're not the thing that they are. Right. Um, and it causes all sorts of kind of mental disorders. It's led to kind of multiple has to suicides and all sorts of issues. Um, and it's, you know, it's basically a form of, I would say, mental torture. Um, but, you know, that Canada went out and banned conversion therapy um, in France actually moved the same week also to turn it into make it a criminal offense. Right. When the, the can and the Canadian law, if I, if I remember right, is like you, you cannot profit off this. You cannot advocate for it and things like this. Whereas in France, if you partake in this and you do this, you, you're actually subject to um, you've committed a crime, which is awesome. And because in the United States, I think it's uh, it was it 20 states that's something like that still allow for conversion therapy to take place. Um, so almost half of the United States um, still allows for this kind of brutal, um, uh, um, uh, you know, it is brutal practice to continue. So we should be banning it here and following our neighbors to the north. But cool. Uh, anything else you got for uh, kind of part one, Sean? Nope, nothing really. <laughs> All right, good. Well, hey, everybody, this is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we come back and we're going to get into what we want for Christmas. Maps, maps, maps. Remember, you can help support the show by heading on over to patreon.com slash rcpress and you can become a patron for as little as five bucks a month. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. We'll be back right after this quick break. Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1915. That was the day the one millionth Model T rolled off the Ford assembly line in Highland Park, Michigan, near Detroit. Henry Ford started Model T production seven years earlier. For nearly 20 years, the Tin Lizzie served as the first affordable vehicle, opening up travel and leisure to a new middle class. Ford refashioned the packing house conveyor to develop the assembly line. Before production moved to the sprawling modern River Rouge complex, the Highland Park plant was considered the factory that changed the world. Ford's ambition to produce cars for the multitudes extended to his workers. As part of his campaign to beat back organizing drives by the industrial workers of the world, Ford instituted the $5 day at the Highland Park plant. For auto workers, buying a Model T even with the $5 day was not so easy. The $5 day actually amounted to $2.34 in wages and an additional $2.66 a day in profit sharing if Ford determined the worker was actually living right. Investigators from his sociological department visited workers in their homes. The routine intrusions into the personal lives of workers away from the job included determining spending and cleanliness habits, whether they drank or smoked, whether they were married or single, the state of the workers' marital relations, and family values. Workers who failed these home inspections were given six months to shape up or be fired. Ford ruled young single men, women, and blacks completely ineligible from the wage program. For a time, employee turnover plummeted and production increased. But wartime inflation and deteriorating working conditions all but killed the $5 day, which ended in 1921. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken, here once again with Sean Kitchen. Uh, so, Sean, it's uh, it's uh, Christmas time in the Capitol, and uh, you got a bunch of legislators and folks and operatives working on some Christmas presents. Tell us all about it. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, um, it looks like a bunch of the maps are going to get voted on within the next couple of weeks. Legislative maps, we're talking. Yes, congressional maps, the uh, and the legislative maps. So the House Republicans put out their map, which was the citizen map, which came from a former Republican county commissioner uh, from uh, Lehigh County, Amanda Holt. She was good. With, so like she actually challenged the maps last time around in 2010. Mm-hmm. And sort of like this isn't like long. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of like money backing her. Uh, it seems like, you know, for them, pretty much like she drew a republican map republican gerrymandered map um that would put harrisburg and altoona in the same political district congressional district well they're practically Uh, neighbors yes yeah i know right (laughs) (laughs) you know it carve out harrisburg and camp hill uh and then carve out dolphin county in like three different directions um so she put out this uh, wildly like gerrymandered map. Um, the Republicans are using, you see we chose a citizen-led map and it just seems like, you know, there's just too much cynicism there where I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, like she got, I'm not gonna say compensated, but if she's somehow like a plant at this point, like, you know what I mean? Because it just seems like it went too smoothly. Like the Republicans are just being very Machiavellian about this, like, you know, you wanted a citizen map and here's your citizen map. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, uh, Kirsten says, uh, well, well, we'll get to this. I mean, well, let, 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 let me ask you, let me, well, Kirsten like the, says. The you, gaslighting you, is just. Yes, it's, like, just, it's insane. <laughs> Kirsten was just, just kind of uh, said, uh, uh, you got to read Boyle's statement on how he was treated in the maps. It's a must read. So uh, uh, that's. Oh, yeah, I saw for, that. Yeah, info for all. Yeah, it was. Well, what's interesting too, as well, you talk about the gaslighting. You say, like, you know, again, this whole idea about King citizens maps, and what 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 drives me bonkers about some of that too, as well. You see a lot of the reporting on it. Like, it took me a while to figure out what the hell are they talking about when they say citizens maps. So, about a month ago, there was a committee meeting. Um, I think it was a Senate meeting. I don't know if it was or a state government. There was a state government committee meeting. I think it was Senate, um, where she was the only one that showed up without like presenting her maps. Um, Committee of 70, uh, Thornburg and a couple of others were there. And one of the things that Amanda Holt was really keen on was not splitting up political districts, political boundaries. So like not splitting up Harrisburg or not splitting up Camp Hill. So that's why you see like all of Harrisburg and all of Camp Hill in that district with Altoona. Mm -hmm. And the Republicans were really in favor of that. But there were like three or four people presenting and she was the only person to not uh, have her map there. So I guarantee you the Republicans already had that map selected as they were going through this dog and pony show the whole entire time. It's freaking crazy. <clears throat> yeah. So it's freaking crazy. Well, but you Fun know, times. But, but it's, it's a good thing though. It's a good thing that you know <laughs> the Republicans did, weren't the only ones who had a map. That we had a, we had a someone who actually sat down and came up with a good compromise map, right? That uh, we have. So yes, uh, and then Senator Street with <laughs> with a compromise map uh, that is a six eleven GOP gerrymander, and that places a uh, congressional district 
smack dab in his neighborhood and you know but pretty much like gets him and boyle into a primary match which is just like amazing <laughs> like i it was pretty remarkable okay so there's been rumors for a few weeks or at least a couple of at least months now it's been pretty open that the whole idea that um Sharif Street's running for the Senate is so that he can run for, like, pivot and run for Congress. And so everyone thought he was going to primary Dwight Evans. No, because Dwight's probably going to be there until he dies in that seat. Um, so, you know, rumblings a few months ago, it's, it's going to be him and he's going to try primary Brendan Boyle once the new maps get made. And here, you know, here he is making his own map to get this district and he's cutting a deal with Republicans. And I mean, I like what Boyle said. Boyle is pretty much like, you know, I'm not here to compromise with, uh, you know, Republicans while we have to fight to fix democracy, which is like true. You're just putting your political ambitions ahead of someone, ahead of your own, like. <laughs> What's astounding? What was like, astounding you're putting your ambitions ahead of like pretty much the country or like your party in one of the most important elections or series of elections coming up. And like, this is the map you want for the next 10 years. Well, that's what I was saying. Is like, I mean, I mean, how could you be so? I mean, what just like a horrible politician? I mean, you know, I mean, seriously, I mean, it was like, like clubhouse grade kind of like, you know, I was joking before the show. It's like, you know, this is kind of like, you know, a bad mob movie, right? Like, like, yeah, we're gonna get here. We're gonna we're gonna make these maps. We're gonna make these maps, and nobody's gonna know. Right? I mean, like, and then we're gonna get like it. We're our district. I mean, it's like. I mean, like, uh, apparently he wants to run for the chair of the, the party Jesus next year Christ. once once the reorganizing happens in 2022. Uh, you know, primary, that's good reason for people who want to get involved with county or committee politics. Uh, this primary is the year to get on your county committees and state committees. Um, but he apparently wants to run for uh, state committee, or not state committee, he wants to run for uh, head of the the chair of the party um or wants to run for the chair of the philadelphia democratic party but i mean anybody anybody who i mean who would have let him get to be the chair of the party is just like i mean is malpractice and it's i swear to god if they because this is like to so i think i think think what happened yesterday this is just so bad of a political move miscalculation like i don't know i mean (laughs) But that's what I mean. Well, yeah, you know, obviously he wasn't expecting it to blow up in his face. No, but him, for him, <laughs> the biggest scandal of it is that they got leaked, <laughs> that people saw what he was doing. Like, literally. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm more concerned how my name got on here. Right. If your leaked. defense, if your defense is like, oh, shit, people found out that's not right, that people found out, right? <laughs> that's a serious problem right from the get go. And to see it so blatantly like being drawn to protect him and to give him a bump up while basically handing over kind of like, you know, super majorities basically to the Republicans. It's freaking nuts. Yeah. I didn't do it in a year when like, I mean, you had people right away. Uh, you mean like state and national Democrats just calling it a non-starter. I mean, the issue with this map is like, you know, Wolf is going to veto the map and the Supreme Court's going to draw it. Like that's what's going to happen with the, with this congressional map. Well, I'm so. just glad this is all happening during the uh, summit for democracy week. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I mean, you saw like the other maps, but they were leaning to. They were leaning of putting Fitzpatrick in like Northeast Philly. You give him a chunk of all those Republicans. That's what we were talking about before the show. I mean, like you can cut up Northeast Philly and 
South Philly in a way where you can have two Republican districts cutting through the city because of the concentration of Republicans like in those neighborhoods. Yep. Like you saw the one map, like South Philly became a Republican map, like just being in like Southern Chester and Delco counties, but crazy man well so there we get where we have it um and uh so we got so that's the first round of maps right now we've got the legislative reapportionment committee which is getting ready to release uh state house and senate maps too as well right yes and these will favor democrats uh because of the chair so these are the maps that are going to favor democrats so um, what do you what do you think is that so <laughs> what do you think is a likely outcome then i don't know uh because they have to they're going to be shown next week uh, I think they're going to release next week and voted on uh, the draft. And once that happens, you'll have like 45 days. They All this stuff has to start moving now in order to uh, be done by a certain deadline in order to have the primaries happen in May. Mm-hmm. So well, we should great. be moving with the with those maps pretty soon. Good. Uh, I also saw that uh, one of your favorite uh, favorite friends, Jeffrey Yass, is in the news once again. Yes. <laughs> do tell <laughs> um the ap reported that yes is looking to spend 20 million bucks on his preferred um candidate running for governor so you know we have like a clown car of people running for office right now on both sides um you know we have someone who is looking to, to pretty much like handpick their candidate and push them through the primary and then give them 20 million dollars or whoever wins the leftover money yeah. uh, to go against Shapiro. So uh, Yass is associated with groups like Common Leaders Fund, the Children's Choice Fund, um, Students First. Yass gave money to, <clears throat> all those all those people gave money to Martino and other PACs. So, I mean, like, this is pretty much like him uh, shaping himself up to be the, the kingmaker or the puppet master here. Well, I'd say, and I, and I said this to you before the show too, as well. Is that I'm, I'm, I'm like legitimately worried about the midterm elections because you've got, you know, and I, I haven't come across any writing thus far um, from you know journalists who have actually been digging into this across the board. I mean, one, you've got stuff on Jeffrey Yass. So you've got other folks that are reporting. We saw that great article in the Philadelphia Inquirer about uh, you know Paul Martino and so on. Um, We've got um, like McCormick right coming in with uh, the Trump like you know Trump endorsement, but anybody who's looking at the money coming in across the board, um, because it seems to me that you know this this dark money is going to rule the day in uh, Pennsylvania um, if, for twenty twenty two. You talk of twenty million dollars just from, from from one guy. Um, plus the other millions of dollars are going to be coming from other avenues and things. I mean, NAS is looking to spend upwards of like 70, 80 million next year. So That's 20 crazy. million, just a drop in the bucket. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So shit's going to be wild in Pennsylvania next year. I don't I, think people realize. That's, that's <laughs> a sense that I get. I said, you know, this is like the last, the last time in the world that you want to be kind of letting your guard down <laughs> right now because man, the floodgates are about to open. I mean, you have like, it's... Yeah, the um, yeah, I mean, like, <clears throat> a lot of democracy work is going to have to be done next year 
in order to just like prevent these people from like even gain, even long-term democracy work stuff's gonna have to start and then continue after this it's not it can't it can't stop so no no there we are we got some fun projects yeah there we have it yeah we have it well you know i know that uh you know i know in my neck of the woods organizing has not stopped uh, people are keep on are keep on working i know there was a huge uh meeting you know we're gonna have uh dina Ligerman on the show on monday at 7 p.m um talk about the central bus um uh, buck school district and uh they had a school board meeting this past monday and it was packed right um a lot a lot of comments because you know there were these like you know off the charts comments by these folks about you know anti-trans comments i'm not going to repeat them all like you know anti-semitic stuff all this kind of stuff was said and so you had people lining up outside for like like over an hour waiting in the rain to get into the school board meetings um to be part of it so um speaking in favor or against uh or like against or out speaking out I, I would I would say it would be I would say most people were motivated to go because they were outraged at those comments, right? Who are the comments made by school board members or like no people? other other people there and they weren't stopped, right? And so then there was this case that went about you know can, you know can you actually like prevent somebody from saying this stuff at a school board meeting? And there was some court case that basically said you really can't, right? Because it's like like First Amendment protected speech. Right. So that that was one back and forth. But, you know, the bigger issue was that the board didn't come out and just disavow those comments. Right. And so that was the that was the bigger issue that you had members of the board who would not just basically say, I am pretty sure a board can be like, hey, any comments made any derogatory comments, you'll be cut off immediately. Well, this was an issue that made, I mean, this was a, a back and forth and apparently there's some sort of uh, case. I just, I'm, I, you know, don't have it in front of me. Otherwise I could tell you what it is. Um, but I'm sure we'll be talking about this on Monday because it was, that was it. But I mean, a lot of parents, look, they had been organizing to come for, around that meeting ever since there was the meeting that blew up. Um, that was just, just outrageous stuff being said. Um, parents and community members uh, had organized to um, for this school board member uh, meeting, and they they turned people out right to basically, you know, say, look, this is you know we're not going to allow this in our school district. So my point being is that you know this organizing is continuing, which is good at a local level. Um, you know, hopefully we're going to see this kind of you know again here in Bucks County, kind of countywide. We're going to see similar similar efforts kind of happening other around around the state. We've got to do something. That's for sure. Um, in other news in Pennsylvania, too, as well, we've got, uh, you know, COVID cases are spiking once again. Um, and it turns my stomach to say it. Um, but, you know, I was, you know, look, this past I got more notifications from students um, uh, that they were out because of COVID. And I don't mean just like them trying to get out of work. I'm saying they were out with COVID or, or had been exposed. And this is not just me. It's happening to faculty members all there. And we're, we're looking at you know, the university reporting their, uh, their COVID numbers. And like, you know, unless the only students that got COVID like during a two day period were the ones from my class, <laughs> right. Those numbers are just ridiculous. Right. Um, so their numbers of our, and we had the, the, re, uh, the, the PA health data came out and showed that Berks County, which is, uh, you know, where Kutztown university is, um, had the highest numbers of daily cases of COVID, um, since the pandemic began. Um, and this is happening, you know, county by county. You've got what's happening up in, uh, you know, in in some of the rural districts in central and northern PA. Oh, Schuylkill um, County right now is just like off. Right. 
and guys who it's, are- I'm looking at the, the Philadelphia News or Philly, the inquire.com or yep. philly.com. They have that chart yep. per capita, 100,000 cases. And like, you're looking at it now and it's like, Philadelphia has the lowest amount of cases per 100,000 at 380 or 330 while Schuylkill County has 1,200 cases per 100,000. Yep. Which is just like raging right now. And, yep. you know, same thing with Burks. Burks is going to be approaching like a thousand cases. Yep. Per... And it's like, you know, you think about it as like, you know, of course it makes sense, right? Because the Delta is far more contagious than, uh, than you know, the original virus that came through. And um, so you're going to get more cases. And especially in areas of the state where you, I mean, this is what was acknowledged. The Geisinger officials basically said, look, the largest percentage of people that are coming in are being hospitalized, right? They're over capacity. are people who are unvaccinated. And that's actually, you know, been a problem in Pennsylvania. So, I mean, even though you've got high concentrations of vaccinated folks in say Philadelphia and some of the kind of, you know, major cities and some of the, you know, um, the ring suburbs, for example, around, uh, around, uh, around Philly, you got a big sections of the state that are, you know, anti-vaxxing Trumpers and all this. And, and it's being affected so did you see that uh that christian pastor who passed away last week yep um and i was watching a thing and it's just like it you know uh because this they had they had someone on who follows all the right-wing christian media outlets and he said like no this is gonna make these people more hardened to believe the virus is fake and this is a spiritual attack against this guy's body from the people who are vaccinated <laughs> you know like, it's true i mean it's true it's what's gonna happen no and it's I just mean. like you know listening to like but he also made a really good point like a lot of the shit you're seeing where critical race theory and all this stuff like this stuff was popping off five or six months before the mainstream media on these websites like metaxas and stuff like that and just yep. like yeah yeah and look they showed that you know uh you know when they when you saw the GOP doing what they normally do, right? You know, the right wing looking for throwing a bunch of shit against the wall to see what's going to stick and then kind of campaign around it. Um, they first went with the critical race theory and they got some kind of, you know, they got some momentum out of that, but it was really the anti-masking stuff that really kind of drove people out. Right. And so then they doubled down on the anti-masking stuff and, you know, and now here we go. This is, you know, it's like, it's like, here's the direct result of this is like, you know, the fruit of your labor. Yeah. So and then um yeah, what else was about to say? The um yeah, with the COVID stuff. Um yeah, Geisinger also said that the vaccine mandates are actually helping, even though they had to fire a couple hundred employees for not getting vaccinated. Mm -hmm. It brought the total number of employees out on a daily basis from like two thousand down to like seven hundred. Yeah. Because guess what? More (laughs) of your employees are vaccinated. Fewer of them are going to get sick with COVID. <laughs> yeah. Right? So it's actually like making the hospital run their hospital systems. Like it's, that's crazy. That is so crazy. While, uh, yeah. while Wellspan just said that they will not be, uh, they'll pushing, they'll be pushing their vaccine mandates back for employees um, because they got pressured. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you. It's amazing these uh these hospital systems with like these right wingers running them, like Wellspan out here in central Pennsylvania. Uh, they just fired an, an, uh, uh, someone from one of their call centers for refusing to book children getting vaccinated. 
while they just pushed their uh, vaccine mandates back a few weeks because of like the Mastriano crowd and wow. other Republicans pressuring them. Wait, to. wait, they're refusing to vaccinate kids? Um, Is that what you said? Well, there's a couple of different stories. One, they are refusing, they've... Geisinger, there was a Geisinger employee, or no, there was a Wellspan employee who got fired this week for refusing to vaccinate kids. Oh, uh, the scheduling vaccines. To, okay, gotcha. Yes. And then, wow. then there's also a thing with the vaccine mandates. Uh, they were getting pressure from like Republicans and, you know, over the vaccine mandates, and they are refusing to. Uh, they're refusing to go through with their vaccine mandates and terminating those who didn't get vaccinated. And they're going to reevaluate re this stuff back in uh, coming up in January. No, I, yeah. How these, I don't know how people live with themselves. I'll never know, Sean. I'll never but Geisinger or Wellspan was one of the hospitals that was colluding with uh, Frank Ryan and the Lebanon Republicans last year when they were going against Governor Wolf's shutdown orders. And they're like, yeah, we emailed the guy, told him he's like not going to speak freaking nuts freaking nuts who also used to be scott perry's chief of staff so <laughs> i was in a good mood sean <laughs> i still am i still am but you know all that's would say look you know everybody uh anybody you can encourage to get the vaccine um just to protect them and protect everybody else around uh please do and for the for, for everybody i mean just an extra measure of you know of safety i mean I know people have been getting really uncomfortable going going around without masks and things like this and, uh, you know, can feel even more uncomfortable now kind of if you are the one, you know, one of the few people with a mask in a place. But, you know, I just or whatever. I have my mask on all the time when I'm out. I mean, I go even when I go into Wawa. Right. If I stop in a Wawa, to, uh, you know, whatever, like, you know, get some breakfast in the morning and a cup of coffee. I put my mask on. Am I the only one in there with a mask? Is that me and the employees? That's it. We got, we got our masks on. Um, but it's, you know, I found at least for me, keeping that habit going is kind of important because you look, nobody likes to freaking um, have a mask. Right. So. Um, that's why, you know, Sean is probably one of the biggest proponents of never taking his mask off if he doesn't have to. He actually, when he goes to the bar, he actually drinks his beers through a straw. So, um, to make sure that he gets around it. No, I feel like doing some of those people do. They cut the, the mouths out. <laughs> cut the mouth so you can eat it. There you go. Crazy. All right. Well, this is Kevin. Anything else going on in PA you want to throw in? Um, Legislature's going to be in office next week, and uh, they're going to be voting on a bunch of constitutional amendments to go after your votes, your your writing, your voting rights. Excellent. So Fantastic. happy stuff. Happy stuff. All right, everybody. And House uh, Bill eighteen hundred is going to get passed again. So yeah, I have a you know I I had there's a, there's a bunch of things kind of going on. I had to go through my head, but I'd be frankly, you know, this is uh this was like I said, this is the end of uh this is the last week of classes for me, and so I was uh, pretty burnt out this week. So I was uh, in my little hole. Um, like, uh, literally before the show today, Sean is like, I, Hey, did you hear about, it? I'm like, no, did you, did you hear, did you, did you see that? I'm like, no, <laughs> I, was like, I didn't, uh, that's kind of been where I'm at. So, uh, so there we have it. So anyways, this is Kevin Honey, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. We're going to come back with a quick little wrap up, see what's happening on, maybe looking ahead for um, plans for the holidays. What are we watching? What are we thinking about? What are we doing for fun? Uh, this is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. We will be right back after this quick break. Oh. 
This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken Press. For the past seven years, Raging Chicken Press has brought pull-no-punches, progressive reporting and commentary to the interwebs. Our long-form investigative pieces, stories that no access journalist wants to touch, or rollicking weekly podcasts strive to advance progressive movements and perspectives rooted in the struggles happening across the country or down the street. We've broken national stories and caused our share of discomfort in the halls of power. If we want a progressive future, we need progressive media. And you can help support Pull No Punches, homegrown progressive media today. Become a member of Raging Chicken Press for as little as $5 a month. Simply go to patreon.com slash rcpress and choose your membership level. We need to make sure to keep the movement in the media and the media in the movement. Best way you can do that is to become a member of Raging Chicken today by going to patreon.com slash rcpress. Thank you for your energy, your encouragement, and your support. Keep up the fight. chickens out to cute podcast it's our last call the last thing we're gonna do before i take a nap <laughs> that's where we're at no 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 uh i did go to the dentist this morning sean that was fun yeah you were saying yep i got my little fluoride treatment i got chewed out no pun intended for kind of not doing good enough job flossing um so i've got to double down on my flossing efforts um but you know I'm happy that I have a union and I have dental insurance through my union. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I, the thing, to, yeah, Build dental and vision are two things. <laughs> what dental and two visions? Dent, well, dental and vision are two things that just like fucking annoys me. It's not really included with this stuff. It's insane. It's insane. So uh, you know, uh, you can you can put your hope in and build back better, or you can get a union. I don't have to tell you. Um, that's what everybody, that's what else we're going to do. So, I mean, it's, it's insane. Um, that, that's just, that's just not the norm for everybody. Um, it's just bad, but anyways, um, yeah, cool stuff happened in space this week. I was like, I went down this little kind of really cool rabbit hole. There was this, uh, they discovered this new planet, which is like 11 times the size of Jupiter or the mass of Jupiter. Um, it's like way out in, uh, what the, the B Centauri star system and which is, which is fascinating about it uh, by its own way. Why it kind of was so intriguing for me to kind of check it out this week is one, the scientists were like, Oh, this is kind of, we didn't, we didn't expect a planet could even form in this system because it's actually a dual star system. Right. So you actually got these, you know, stars that are orbiting each other. Right. And then you got this enormous planet that is orbiting like the the center point. I forget what the, what you call that, too. I, I love the word for it. I'm just spacing it right now. Like, because, you know, if you have like two objects that are are kind of like uh, um, the fulcrum. Is that what it's called? No, it's not the fulcrum. That, that's, just, that's that's the leverage point of things. But no, this is like so basically you have if you look at like the like, you know, the sun. Right. And then you got the earth. Right. And then so the sun orbits obviously around the earth. 
right? Uh, I'm I'm saying Does this it? because well, this is what the I'm sun? saying. I, the reason the, what what did I say? Oh, you I said, said it the, the wrong way. <laughs> I said it the wrong way. I can't believe I said it the wrong way. <laughs> okay, I was like actually Copernicus. I was just about to say the reason why I'm telling you this is because some people might believe otherwise, and that I I didn't realize I was saying it wrong. I meant the Earth goes around the sun, right? But the so you know, and when if you look at the like mathematics of it, right? The you you think well okay the center of the earth right and then it, it the the gravitational center that it rotates around is actually the center point of the sun but that's not true because the earth has mass too as well so the actual the point of the center point of of the orbit is slightly off center from the sun right because you know the sun's obviously much more massive than than the earth so that it's off the center and if you have two stars right or two planets that are kind of orbiting even like the moon right the moon doesn't orbit around the so like the two point. stars orbiting around each other as yeah. well yeah okay. so you have these two stars that are kind of like are, are like locked in this locked in this gravitational thing and then you've got this enormous planet rotating on the outside of that and the sun one of those suns is like i forget i forget the percent but it's like so much more massive than our sun, right? So it's just this crazy system. And the scientists initially thought that um, that planets couldn't form in 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 that kind of space because the gravitational like poles and dynamics were just too much. And they were thinking that planets would take a uh, an extraordinary like a really, really long time to form, right? Because planets were formed, you have the star creation and you have all that stuff that's around the stars, and slowly they begin circulating around and colliding into each other and kind of congealing all that stuff, right? And um here you've got this planet 11 times bigger than Jupiter, right? Massive, massive than Jupiter. It's also like, like orbiting about a hundred times out further than Jupiter orbits around our own sun. So it's like this huge, massive thing that's orbiting much further away. And they don't know how it would be possible. Now they're thinking actually that because of the, 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 the size of the gravitational fields in this area and all this, that it actually might've formed a lot more quickly than they thought planets could form um, before. They're not quite sure, but it's like this kind of crazy. Um, anyway, but you know, if you, you check it out, I'll put a link in the show notes today. It's a really cool story to kind of see, like what's going on and just you know, some some crazy dynamics that just and it's like you just you just picture it in your mind, right? These two stars <laughs> like rotating around or orbiting around each other, and this giant planet orbiting around that, and they're all in this kind of like locked in this, in this field. Just kind of a cool thing. So. Um, they thought it was pretty good. There's a couple couple of cool things that are going on. They just launched a new X-ray um, X-ray uh, satellite that's that is um, I think it's launched already, or unless it, it, maybe it's today. Um, that's going up. The big news is is actually on. I didn't put this in the show notes, but it's on coming up on December 22nd is the scheduled launch date for this. Um, is the James Webb um, Telescope. Um, the James Webb Telescope is basically is like the next generation uh, of Hubble tel telescope. Um, you might have seen it. It's like these like these gold kind of um, octagonal mirrors that are in this, this setup. It's really really cool thing. And they just um, got it um, the, the the housing for it kind of all set and kind of sealed and prepared. Um, so they're moving in that direction. And so this is going to be. This is going to allow um, astronomers to be able to see so far further into the universe um, that we're going to see pictures that we've never seen before. So this is going to be a huge kind of event when it comes to um, uh, kind of, you know, the study of the stars. So that's what I got going on pretty much um, and reading of uh, the space stuff. The other thing I've got, you know, I've been like I said, I've been watching the uh, the Wheel of Time. Uh, really kind of cool show. Very interesting show. I'm still 
uh, I, I made a reference to it in my classes this week, uh, the closing out for one scene, but I don't want to give any spoilers. Um, but so far, it's a kind of really interesting, um, really interesting show um, that I urge you to check out if you ha it's only on Amazon Prime. So you got to deal with that. Um, but that's pretty cool. What do you got going on, Sean? Um, I really don't have anything going on this weekend. Um, I think I'm just going to make some more bolognese sauce, have some fun. Nothing really too much. Just getting ready for the holidays. Good man. I, I see. I do see. You know, I didn't mention this at the beginning of the show, but I do see that you got your, uh, you know, full kind of on kind of a game lifestyle channels uh, shirt on today. Um, it seems like a new look for you for the Zoom calls. <laughs> this is a actually just, all is just like a loose flannel that I got. It's nice. Yeah. Well, it looks like uh, looks like one of those like large. It just it just no, just a large flannel. That's it. Nothing really. Just more than that. Okay. All right. Just... Yeah. I've been wearing it like three or four days a week now. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Every but no, it's like, it's like one of those like sweaters where it's just like it's super comfortable. Like yeah. and it's almost like a hoodie right now where it's just like wearing it multiple days. Oh, that's awesome because I'm looking at it like it looks like a dress shirt from like you know on the Zoom. No, call, no, so. no, 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 no. Yeah. This, is a, uh, this is a black and gray, uh, black and gray. I think like a little like um, smaller designs to it. Yeah, yeah. But it's a black and gray uh, flannel. Very nice. Instead of like going with like a red and black. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope. It's not a dress shirt. It's just it's just a uh, it's a flannel shirt. It's so really this nice. would be like kind of like the flannel like of your kind of like if you had a flannel mullet. This would be the kind of business in the front side flannel where the black. <laughs> I do have red and black uh, flannel upstairs I can wear next time. I really but... killed myself with that. <laughs> yeah, this is this is like this is Excellent. the one that uh, this is yeah I can get away with like wearing with my sweatpants. Right Here you go. Or wearing with my jeans. So. Oh, good. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, man. Uh, you got any plans for the weekend? Uh, not really. Um, got some things coming up. Uh, I'll be photographing a couple of rallies next week. Oh, so, cool. That's awesome. Fair funding stuff that's still going on with the uh, lawsuit. So um, it's going to be with Susan Specka and a couple of others. And they're bringing like toilets and toilet paper, like large props. So I'm looking forward to see how this is. That's awesome. Um, I yeah. like it already. So. <laughs> I have so, to say, uh, I'm, teach I'm teaching this class that's in, uh, uh, it's called New Media Story Change, right? And we look at kind of storytelling and kind of social movements and campaigning and things like this and building kind of campaigns. And I got to say, um, my, the, the students in my class, I had a completely full class, it was a packed class. The projects that they get, the final projects, they have to build like a story-based campaign around an issue of their choosing, right? And they got to do some of the background research into organizations that are working on this issue, whatever it might be. And uh some of the campaigns that they came up with are so freaking good. I just like, I just like, I, and I, 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 I don't want to talk about them because I hope they do them right. Because they're, I mean, it's like that kind of stuff. If like, and I keep on telling them, I was like, if you want to work in this field, let me know. And I will tell you people that, you know, I will send you to people because this is freaking gold. <laughs> Do they have, uh, are, they, are they, are these kids good with TikTok? The, 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 the youth? Some of them are. Some of the youths are. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Some of them are. Absolutely. It feels like all like on the phone calls, like talking, like what we need to be doing. Just like we need to focus on TikTok. And it's just like, 
<laughs> you're like, I feel old because of that. You're like, oh, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable. <laughs> talking about social media platforms, we have no use. I have no idea about. It is true. I mean, it's like you know, I I actually I have a. Uh, for raging chicken, I, there's, there's, uh, I have one video on the TikTok account for raging chicken, right? And it's, uh, um, I had never done it before. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it out. And it was uh, when Biden won the election, right? It's just kind of like the, the camera starts like up in the air, looking out the window, and it kind of comes down as the music's playing, and it focuses on the headline of the newspaper: Biden wins, right? It's Biden. So that was it. That's all I have up there right now. Um, but it, it is like, uh, you know there's no doubt about it. I mean, that's where, I mean, you know, that's where the young folk are. There's no doubt about it, but it's, uh, it's actually, it has, there's really cool content up there. Um, for, I mean, look at it, you say COVID information, for example, there's like all sorts of epidemiologists that kind of go on and talk about that. Um, the, the work that was being done, uh, around with black lives matter was kind of awesome on that. Um, it just what what I wish I could do. I'll to be honest with you is like what I wish I could do with TikTok is I wish I could just kind of like lock the algorithm at some point, because what I find is like, and this is what makes me uncomfortable. I'll say this like flat out. I told my students this too as well. I said like, is like if it seems to me, and I could be wrong about this, but it seems that if you like go away from the um from the app for two, for a while, right? So if you're 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 constantly kind of like on it, you look at it kind of for several days in a row and stuff like that. The algorithm picks up pretty quickly about what content to feed you. So there's one time I was I was in this sweet spot. I had like like the book talk, right? So I had these people that are doing like, you know, these books that I want to read and things like this to get reviews of suggestions. I like, like putting them on my list and stuff. I had these other kind of these, uh, these kind of, uh, these crafters who were doing things from like these giant doors and metalworking and, um, other stuff. And then I had, what was the, you know, the political stuff was in there. And then there was, there was another, oh, there, there was a teacher talk. I'm mean, just like, this, there, was, there was this kind of cool stuff. And then I stopped, like, I stopped kind of doing it for a little while because I'm like, okay, I got to, whatever. I'm just, I'm just sitting here, like, flicking through on my freaking phone. I mean, this is like, what am I doing? Like, I need, I got to get stuff done. And so I go back to it, like, a couple months later. And then it's like, oh, God, okay. Now we got all the young folks dancing and saying, like, hey, if I just show a little more skin, then I'll get more likes. And I'm like, it makes me really uncomfortable. But it seems like it really, it really, it really, and this is, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this a lot right now, especially because my kids, because I'm like, how do you get them away from that? And I wish if somebody knows how to basically prevent TikTok from kind of like throwing like really kind of sketchy stuff on a for you page, please let me know so I can get the frick off my page. <laughs> like, and so when I see it on my kids, I can stop it coming from their content because that's what makes me work. Anyways, that's what I say, Sean. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's like a lot more TikTok than I have used ever. <laughs> I was going to use it and just stop. It's like, yeah, fuck this. Well, you know, it's it's funny. It happened the same thing. I remember the first time when I got in, when I first got on Facebook way way back in the day, right? Um I had no interest in being on Facebook at all, right? I had no interest in in that whole stuff and it was Ali Cavallero who was a student at Kutztown in the in the honors program um and who's now a professor out in California. Um, she wanted more faculty to kind of get on Facebook to kind of like, you know, to create these, you know, groups and stuff um, for the honors program and things like this. And back in that day, when Facebook was first kind of getting, it was like, it felt sketchy, right? You felt like you're a creeper. 
right? Um, you know, you don't go on Facebook because, like, you know, that's where the kids are. That's like a little weird to get in their personal lives and stuff like that. Um, but she made a compelling case over weeks about uh, why I should get on it and why others. And so I did. And, you know, came around to this, you know, came around to this understanding is like, you know, well, OK, you still have, you know, there's this medium that you're kind of engaging and you're you don't have to engage necessarily on its, on its terms. And then started reading around, you know, kind of how people are using this politically and all that other kind of stuff. But it was like this this adjustment time of just being like. I don't know about this. And I feel very similar to that with TikTok right now um, because it is so dominated by, by young folks. And there's, you know, it's like, uh, you know, a lot of it is this kind of dancing and fashion and kind of like, you know, the, uh, all the, like, what are the kids called all the thirst traps? That's it. Right? <laughs> like, like all that stuff is so present on it that, and I just wish I could steer around that stuff. Cause I, I'd rather not, that be the first thing I see if I, I check it out, which is why I'm not on it very often. So anyways, there you go. Some social media use. <laughs> Kevin Mahoney, who teaches in the social media theory and strategy program at Goodstown University. <laughs> Crazy. Anyways. All right, man. Well, hey, I guess tomorrow it's going to be 70 and then it's going to be 30 again. So uh, we've got a nice little roller coaster of a weekend and some rain and some wind. So that sounds, sounds about right. right. That sounds about right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's not a crisis in democracy. It's a crisis in the climate. So, uh, you know, here we have it. All right, man. Well, hey, it's good checking out. Uh, good. Good checking out. Uh, good talking to you again. And uh, I hope everybody will check out our show on Monday when we'll have uh, Dina Lagerman will be on the show and um, uh, should be an awesome one. And uh, have a good weekend, man. See you next week. I'll talk to you later. All right, here we go. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. Uh, it's been great hanging out with everybody. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks for the comments. Thanks for the thoughts. Um, uh, I'm just tired today, apparently. I think that's really what the deal is. So I'm going to cut it out here. I'm going to look forward to my weekend of climate crisis. Woohoo! See ya! Nice.